0: The Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com for a different view on Irish business.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com. This week's show is an exploration of what Ireland can learn from Silicon Valley and other such startup communities around the world. So what can Ireland do to emulate and foster startups and entrepreneurs? I speak to a company founded by Irishman Owen Dowling and see how they recently got investment of over €5 million Euro in their company. Former Mayor of San Diego and Irish Technology Leadership Group Business Advisor Tom McEnery offers a critical analysis of Silicon Valley and Ireland. And I also talk to the Irish Israel Business Network as Israel is one of the largest startup communities in the world. But first to this week's news with Daw from Irish Business Intelligence and Brian Cleary, clan chamber CEO. And
2: we start this week with some young entrepreneurs, Brian. Secondary school students from Crescent College Comprehensive in Limerick are to represent Ireland in the European final of a space project competition called CANSAT in Norway next June. CANSAT is a joint collaboration between the European Space Education Resource Office in Ireland and it's co-funded by the European Space Agency and Science Foundation Ireland's Discover programme. Six teams from schools across Ireland took part in the project to create a CANSAT, which this is actually really interesting, a simulation of a real satellite, which fits into the volume of a soft drinks can. Now, meanwhile, a team from LIT Thurless won the Microsoft Imagine Cup in Dublin as well. Now, the Microsoft Imagine Cup is a slightly different thing, and their game was called Cavern Knots. and the task is for players retrieving a giant diamond from the depths of a cave and manoeuvring it back to the surface. And, lucky them, they're off to the finals of the competition at Microsoft's headquarters in Redmond in Seattle.
1: Yeah, no, and refreshing to see young people heading off to European and global competitions as well.
0: Yeah, I mean the the space industry. I suppose we, we we maybe touched on it before, but it's it's actually worth quite a significant amount to Ireland, which sometimes we don't think about. I suppose it's one of those kind of niche industries, like animation, I guess, that uh, we're actually quite prevalent in and maybe don't think about. Hmm. I mean, from from a kind of small cursory glance online, I think the space industry is worth something like 35 million in export sales to Ireland. So it's great to have our young people getting engaged in it, even at you know such an early stage. It's it's getting their their thinking it was focused on these sort of things i i guess really you know there's there's so many different opportunities for young people to start to think about entrepreneurship but also to think about the technology type careers that could cater to the space industry would you believe we actually have in this country a space industry skill net which uh focuses on on getting businesses thinking along those lines so absolutely very important that our young people are thinking along those lines too given the the kind of bandwidth and the scope of this industry
1: Yeah, and Brian, if we want young people to get inspired into business and and entrepreneurship, it seems that they can look to their own to do it as well, by the sounds of it.
2: They can. Ireland in the last few years really has raised its game in this regard. So if you look at the Collison Brothers, and the Collison Brothers set up Stripe, which is, I suppose, a competitor to PayPal, which is is doing very, very well at the moment. You know, they were empowered in the Irish education system and on the fringes of it, and then went on at a very young age to have a, a hugely successful company. One of the organizations that's been featured time and time again in this program, Coder Dojo, is an Irish creation, as far as I'm aware. Now, I stand corrected on that. And it's being rolled out across the world. And again, we've now got a situation, even in Clonmel, I I see it with um, the Coder Dojo classes. Eight-year-old kids learning how to make games on computers. It's fascinating. And if we're going to have more success on an international stage... We need more of these things. So the Microsoft competition, and well done to LIT terrorists on that, but also the CANSAT competition is fantastic because it teaches kids that they can be engineers, but they don't necessarily need to be engineers in a manufacturing sense or just a software sense of website design and and maybe software design. There are other more, I suppose, okay, the word I'll use, and I don't mean to be, be disparaging, is imaginative uses, of their skill and, and and their wherewithal to make it come together. So I think it's fantastic to see.
1: Mm, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, moving on now to our uh, next story, and it seems tougher
2: rules for organic farming, Brian. Certainly are. Dacian Cioloș, who is the EU agricultural commissioner, has said that the new rules were aimed at giving consumers and producers confidence in organic produce and making it easier for farmers to switch to growing organic. He admitted that the new rules, which have yet to be approved by the Parliament in Europe and the member states, will force higher standards on organic farmers. Now, in 2012, consumers spent more than 21 billion. Euro on organic produce from 186,000 farms across Europe, cultivating close to 10 million hectares, which is five percent of the total farming land in Europe.
1: Yeah, no, and uh, tougher uh, rules for uh, organic farmers.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been quite a significant debate around,
0: I suppose, certifying organic from a lot of lot of different perspectives. I suppose there's number one. I think people are tending to feel a little bit more comfortable with the potential positives of organic farming and organic food. I mean the whole issue around food provenance we saw really come into focus in the last year with the uh, horse meat scandal and I suppose there's lots of other bylines and narratives going on around, you know, the effect of pesticides on people's health and so on. So what what we hear and I you know Brian has mentioned that figure there, twenty one billion euros spent across Europe for organic produce certainly highlights the fact that in general consumers are thinking more along the lines of organic organic produce rather than just you know, your regular shop. But, you know, again, I suppose there are still question marks and I know, again, debates have yes to actually of validate some of the views that are taken around organic produce but but by and large people are obviously stepping more in that direction so it's hardly surprising considering all of that that there's now maybe a bit of you know insider road trading going on in the organic uh, farming end of things and and certainly you know it's something that if, if people are buying something they they are expecting that they're going to get what they ask for which again goes back to my point about food provenance so um it's it's not surprising to hear that there's, there's definitely having to be some intervention along these lines to try and Ensure that there are no uh, fraudulent organics, that, uh, sort of had no labelling and so on going on, where where obviously it's uh, it's you know it's got got to be managed from an ongoing perspective.
1: Yeah, and Brian, the the interesting part about this as well is that. Perhaps organic hasn't taken off here in Ireland as it has perhaps across the rest of Europe, considering that perhaps the cost involved as well, organic usually means a little bit of a a higher price than something of a generic brand on the shelf. But according to this, 21 billion euros, that's a massive market out there in Europe that farmers can be involved in.
2: But at the same time, you know, you say 21 billion, no one's going to say no to 21 billion. But what is the overall food market worth? You know, I can guarantee you it's, worth a massive amount, more than $21 billion. Look, organic food, in some respects, gets a bad rap. It's seen very much as the preserve of the, the Saoirse and Quillacons reading their Irish Times on a Saturday and eating organic, hummus, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's usually healthy, right? There are proven benefits of it. There's no doubt about it. But organic seems to have been kind of stuck on a shelf there somewhere, when, in fact, it is let's be honest, it's actually kind of more down, excuse the phrase, down to earth than what we normally buy. You know, there's none of the packaging, there's none of the the processing. It's, it's much better for us. It brings us back to where some of our, you know, rural relations were in the 40s and 50s in this country. So it is much, much better. But I think organic gets bad rap. And it gets a bad rap because it's kind of the butt of jokes and stuff like that. And it's seen as being very, in the UK sense, very waitrose-ish. Hmm. But overall... Come back to Alwyn's point, the packaging and I think the, the provenance is going to be key here. Pretty soon, you're going to get out. If, if organic continues to, to, to develop, we're going to have the word organic stuck onto everything. So we need to be very, very careful. And maybe if you look at kind of a farm to fork type process, there needs to be a way of ensuring that there's traceability and that it is as real and as organic as it claims to be. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not really a kind of an agricultural type of person. Now, I'm great for eating this stuff, but when it comes to where it comes from, I'm not 100%. But at the same time, I think organic is probably the way for us health-wise and in terms of our environment. But again, we need to know that what is organic is really organic.
1: A hangover from the uh, horse meat scandal. Everybody wants to know where their food comes from. And uh, we're going to move on to our last story of this week, and it's uh, lending to SMEs and the Credit Review Office, Brian.
2: John Chathorn from the Credit Review Office has said this week that more than half of all lending decisions that are appealed to the Credit Review Office are overturned. And he also said that he did not believe that lending targets set for AIB and for Bank of Ireland needed to be extended. The two main banks both hit their targets to lend £4 each to SMEs last year. Now, John Trotone also pointed out that the consensus arrived at in meetings between the Credit Review Office, the Department of Finance and the business groups was that demand for loans is still depressed and likely to remain low while SMEs rebuild their balance sheets.
1: Yeah, and uh, Owen, uh, interesting story this here, saying that there's a consensus now being arrived at by the Credit Review Office, the Department of Finance and business groups that loans uh, are depressed and are likely to remain so because there isn't a demand there for SMEs to do it anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the big issue really is the demand at the end of the day. And and as you rightly said, it's a a topic we return to regularly because it is very contemporary and, and, and continues to be an issue for SMEs. I mean, to tackle the issue of demand, I suppose, you know, Brian would see this on an ongoing basis, and I see him in some respects myself, that businesses are are starting to move more towards, you know, future plans, but but they are still continuing to deal with day-to-day issues which means that they're trying to consolidate their position rather than expand, you know, maybe immediately, which then obviously impacts on their financial requirements. So they're maybe not necessarily going looking for credit as such. However, as an aside, what I do think is interesting because we have seen, you know, 50% of the figure has been bandied about a lot, more so in the context of the refusal rate, which was dated by ISMI last year, that um, I think they were seeing something like 50% of loan or, or finance uh, agreements being turned down. So if, do, if that 50% is being turned on its head with the Credit Review Office actually granting those or, or, or upholding the SME's requests, then that is a positive for those that are applying. It does, for me, still hint at the fact that for these Bigger banks, these pillar banks, as they are, still somewhat nervous about lending to SMEs. And I suppose that is potentially one issue, and another issue being the fact that there is quite a significant demand on process and procedure and expectation around what SMEs are putting forward in their in their propositions. But, you know, as I said, in, in a general context, if if those people who are applying and being turned down are, through the credit review office, getting the opportunity to access that funding, then I think in general that is a good thing. And I'm, I would see it as a positive.
1: And Brian, the banks here being supported by the credit review office in, in terms of saying that the two main banks have hit their target to lend to to small businesses €4 billion each, which kind of goes against the grain a little bit if you talk to perhaps uh, some other representative bodies of small businesses.
2: Yeah, it's it's a contentious issue. It's you know almost you know two versions of the truth. There's one ver- one body say, well, yeah, we're lending. The other body will say, well, none of our members are getting it. It's it's very very hard to know who to, who to believe. Look, I, I know from talking to the banks, and we've mentioned this before. I meet them on a regular basis in in the southeast to talk about what they're doing for businesses. They say they are giving out money. They they say that they are supporting them, and you know I I, I believe that they are, and I've heard stories back from, from member companies that have gone to the bank, approached them with a viable business plan, and it comes back to that word I've used before. It's all about being viable. Um, it's very easy to to scream and say, whoa, 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 the house is on fire, uh, and attract attention, as some business groups do. And they kind of, you know, maybe even by doing that, exacerbate the situation. I think we need a calm and measured reaction to this and, and approach to this. We need to be able to say to the banks, look, what do you need from us to make this viable make this get across the line in terms of an application so the application comes back and here's how you do it and off you go and then your chances are much much stronger whereas i think a lot of why people aren't getting bank loans is because they're not actually going in for it there's like oh i'll never get it because i saw someone on prime time or i heard someone on the radio saying no, the banks aren't giving any money and sure look i'm not going to get it if johnny up the road can't get it And that's what really damages the Irish business sector because then those companies can't expand, they can't take on people, they can't reduce the unemployment numbers and they can't pump money back into the economy and they can't create people who are consumers. So that is the issue. We're still, I suppose, shackled with a lot of self-doubt and lack of self-belief. But overall, I think the banks are giving up money. I think the Credit Review Office... Uh, It was slow to get going. It's now definitely proving its worth. The fact that over half of the SMEs that are going there with valid claims are having those over their rejections overturned. That's good. But uh, I still think we as a business community need to actually say, right, if we're going to do this, what's the proper way to do it? and approach it properly, as opposed to just kind of almost be like kids going, oh, you're not going to let me go out today, are you? <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. We need to be professional about it. Oh, and oh, I'm Brian
1: Cleary. Thank you for your comments on this week's news. Now coming up in part two, a critical analysis of Silicon Valley and Ireland.
2: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.